is enough, and it's time for a change! I have so much anger. I feel like I've been raped. In the face! Great Scott. At no point in your rambling were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Just discovered a new element! Just the element of surprise. Alright everybody, welcome to the Element of Surprise, the Mentally Irregular Podcast. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a good episode today. We got uh, more forgotten cartoons, or as I refer to it, forgotten cartoons for Attack of the Russian, because that's where I go to Russia and I go through my whole training montage in my uh, in my in my shed and in my in my old barn, and then I climb a mountain and yell Drago at the end. But uh, you know that that's just to just so that way we're all clear. That's why it's called the that's why it's the fourth one. Also, this is the fourth time I've done Forgotten Cartoons, the first time being Welcome to the Brick Factory, and then the other times actually being, you know, labeled as more Part 3, and so on and so forth. But I've got some whoppers. I, I've done my homework this time, and I've got some real, real good ones that I think, uh, you know, some of you might remember, some of you might not, but we definitely got some, uh, some, uh, some cartoons here that, uh, are worthy of worthy of that element of surprise flair that that mentally irregular touch that I that I try to give everything and um, you know we're just gonna start at the top here we're just gonna go with uh, the first one is Street Sharks. You remember Street Sharks? It was a toy line it was based off of. And they were uh, anthropomorphic shark people. Uh, like, you know, they had, uh, there was Ripster and Jab and uh, uh, Streaks was one in the cartoon. He had a different name in the uh, in the toy, but he was uh, Streaks in the cartoon. And then there was Big Slamu, who was uh, named because he became a whale shark. But uh, I, I digress. Let's, let's, let's get into uh, Street Sharks. So... They're, they're the street sharks. It starts. Their father is a scientist, and he works for the bad guy, who we'll get into in a little bit, uh, and um, creates this device that can, like, it's supposed to amplify people by giving them like the abilities of certain animals without like transforming them. Like, you know, for example, sharks seems to be the recurring theme in this, and like aquatic fish creatures. So, uh, you know, it was like, I guess, give, supposed to give you the ability to breathe underwater and, you know, swim like fucking... It, it was going to turn you into uh, Kevin Costner in Waterworld, basically. That was the idea of the machine, was, hey, how can we make people into Kevin Costner from Waterworld? I got it. Let's use this device. But there was an accident because of the bad guy, and um, the father is accidentally transformed into, like, this hideous mutant hybrid. Uh, I'm assuming something shark-themed, and, but you never see what he is a- again after he's uh, transformed. You never see him again. It's implied he secretly helps uh, the, the street sharks, who are also his children, his sons, his four sons. But uh, you never really see him again. There's, like, a shadow on the wall here or there, but you never physically see him, his appearance. 
He's just he's he, he, you're he's uh, mutated. He's he's all Brundle flied out, and uh, you know they they he he Jeff Goldblum's himself from 1986 in the Fly, and uh, he's and 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 that's the last you see of him. You don't you don't know what he turned into, but it's it, it apparently is horrific. Um, so then his sons. Now here's here's where things get a little bizarre. The bad guy that uh, well I guess I got to get into the bad guy now, so I just stop calling him the bad guy. Uh, the bad guy, uh, Dr. Luther Paradigm, great name, by the way, who, um, you know, he ran the, uh, he owned the, the lab and the techno, like one of the technology that their, their scientist father was working on. Um, you know, he, you could easily identify him as the bad guy because he had a metal eye patch, uh, a giant ro- yellow robotic exoskeleton suit that he wore that fires harpoons. Because, you know, whenever I think of, like, hey, I want a giant exoskeleton suit like Iron Man, kind of, to, like, make myself more badass, what could I shoot from it? Could I shoot lasers or missiles or something really destructive? No, I'm going to go with stereo, I'm going to go with standard metal harpoons just because they're sharp. That'll stop them. That'll take my evil my evil schemes straight to the top. So, you know, and in the second episode, Dr. Paragrime, he gets a piranha DNA injected into him and starts, uh, to transform too. So whenever he gets angry or upset, his face becomes like fish-like and starts to turn into piranha because that's how you know he's the bad guy. That's how you know he's evil. It's like, oh, uh-oh, this guy with the eye patch is turning into a piranha now, so he's clearly bad. Even though everybody else around him seems to be giant uh, fish people, he he remains looking human until he gets upset and then piranha face but um so anyway he owned like he wanted the technology that their dad was working on and so after their father's accident he tells the the children uh john clint uh bobby and coop that he can help them find their dad by transforming them for some unknown reason into shark people i guess he was probably planning on controlling them as giant shark people but um you know, so it, it doesn't go his way, basically, and they become the street sharks. And John uh, takes on the name. He's Ripster, and he is a great he's a great, great white shark now, and um, he, he's able to bite through solid steel, and he's very, very strong, and he's their leader because great white shark, obviously, you know, that's just stereotypical leader. If you've got a great white shark, a tiger shark, a whale shark, and a... Um, and a scalloped hammerhead shark, a hammerhead shark, then, you know, the great white shark's going to be the leader. So John Bolton, otherwise known as Ripster, becomes a leader, and he can bite through solid steel. And he's the, he, he also, uh, he, he created inventions as well, and he's smart like his dad was. Um, but he also was cool because you could tell this because he would be, he was like, he, you'd see him like playing pool in their free time. Because, you know, giant shark people like to relax just like everybody else does. You know, they like to sit back. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe smoke a cigar, have have a, have a few mixed drinks, or you know a few cold brewskis, and and play pool like everybody else. If if you're ever out at the bar and four giant shark hybrid people come in, don't panic, don't be afraid. They're just trying to relax like everybody else. That's what they want to do. They have stressful lives as well. So uh, so then you go on to the the second brother is Clint, and he becomes Jab because he's the hammerhead shark. I don't know why. Um, I don't know what a hammerhead has to do with <clears throat> boxing, but that's his that's his skill. He he uses his head as a battering ram, and he's a f- fantastic boxer. Um, he's also like the mechanic of the group, Jab, and uh, you know, like so. Uh, I believe he also wore sunglasses at one point, which didn't make sense to me because he was a hammerhead. 
Like his eyes weren't forward. They were off, way off to the sides of the hammer-shaped skull that the hammerhead shark naturally possesses. So why would he be the one that wore the sunglasses? But I, I could be wrong about that. Um, all right, then there was uh, Streaks, who was Bobby. Bobby was, uh, he was like the level-headed, cool one. You know, he called himself a ladies' man. He thought he was like, you know, hot shit. Um, he always, always, always had his rollerblades on. Always had his rollerblades on, even after being transformed into a shark, because that's how you knew that he was like the cool, the, like the cool one. You know, like Michelangelo and the Ninja Turtles had like the the skateboard and, uh, you know, uh, would do like the the, the break dancing and 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 um and and streaks would have his rollerblades. So you know, um, also he was a snowboarder and uh, he played drums professionally as well because giant sharks also do that. Like I said, they're just like regular people. Apparently, they gotta relax, they gotta veg out just like everybody else does. You know, no harm, no foul to these giant sharks. They've got to do what they can do. So anyway, that was uh, Streaks, and you know he got his name Streaks because uh, he had giant purple streaks on his body because of being a tiger shark. So and then the last brother, the fourth brother, Coop became, they called him Big Slamu, which I guess was like a like a take on Shamu, because Shamu was a killer whale, and he became a whale shark. Um, you know, he, and they, they characterize him as not, you know, even before being transformed, he was the biggest and strongest of the four, so obviously he becomes like the strongest of like the four after he's transformed, that's why they made him a whale shark, I guess, and uh, he was also the youngest, you know, he was a pro football player in high school, um, he used a skateboard in the first episode, which is then never, never seen again. And, um, you know, his most prominent, uh, maneuver after being turned into the big slam is he called it the seismic slam where it's, uh, he would take his fist and basically do like the incredible Hulk and like smash his fist into the ground and it would crack the ground under people's feet. And they would, instead of falling to the ground or getting injured, like what happened in real life, since this was a cartoon, they would lose their balance and wobble from side to side precariously as if they might fall over. But you know, they're, they're, they're professional villains and professional henchmen. So they're not actually going to fall down or be hurt by that. They're just going to, you know, kind of be like, oh man, I, I lost my balance there for a second. And that's whenever the, st the street sharks would, uh, uh, would go in and, uh, uh, as as they would say, as the uh, catchphrase was, they'd kick some serious fin. And that was the catchphrase, they'd kick some fin. Um, and they fight these mutant villains from uh, Dr. Dr. Paradigm, who after he gets uh, DNA, the piranha DNA in him, they call him Dr. Piranoid, which is, a, I guess, a play on the word paranoid and the word piranha, and they kind of fuse those two to be, make him Dr. Piranoid. And um, Dr. Piranoid's mutant villains uh, go after you know, go to help him, like, take over the world and, you know, do his evil schemes, and the street sharks fight them because that's what shark people do whenever they're not relaxing. You know, whenever the street sharks relax, they like to, uh, you know, do uh, regular stuff. They like to play pool or rollerblade or, you know, maybe skateboard or snowboard or, peri you know, like, maybe they like to bungee jump in their free time. They, they seem to be adrenaline junkies is what I'm getting at. But, uh, you know, what they do whenever they're not in their free time is they fight other mutant fish people uh, that were sent by Dr. Paranoid. And they get, they, a lot of those people turned into allies later. Uh, like, um, the one that I'm, the one that I remember was, he and it was a stereotypical, uh, like, he was, he was, uh, like a circus performer and he gets fused with one of those swordfish and they call him El Sordo because he was Mexican. So, of course, you have to name him as such because there's nothing racist about that. That's, you're just, 
it, it, you're just talking about his culture. You want his culture to know who he was before he became a giant swordfish man. So El Sordo. Um, that's the one I remember. He wore a mask even after being transformed into a giant swordfish. I, I guess that's necessary. He didn't want anybody to know his, his true identity of, the, of a giant swordfish person, even though his body completely reflected that, and he had a swordfish face at all. So uh, that was Street Sharks, you know, and it was, a, it was a great show. I remember it. I remember the toys, and I remember the cartoon, and um, I, I believe later on it actually got a spinoff with, about dinosaur people. Because uh, I guess the machine, uh, Dr. Paranoid got the machine and started using it to make dino DNA. Because whenever, I believe when it, Street Sharks first came out, it was before Jurassic Park. Like right before the movie Jurassic Park. And then as before the show finished, it was like right after the first Jurassic Park had come out. And everyone was on that uh, dinosaur DNA craze. So it got a spinoff about dinosaur people uh, that like took place in the same universe. And there was like a crossover team-up episode at one point, I believe, too. But uh Anyway, that was Street Sharks. Um, next one, I don't know if uh, you remember this. This was uh, also based on a toy line. Uh, remember the Troll Dolls in the in the uh, late 80s, early 90s? And, you know, everyone was on that craze for the Troll Dolls. They had the stones and their bellies and the hair. Well, somebody in their infinite wisdom said, you know what? I like this troll thing. But I've got three sons, and they don't really like the trolls. They need like action trolls, so that way they can enjoy trolls too, but not look like little wussies, because this guy was apparently, uh, you know, he was apparently very, very, like, into the macho-ness, and like, boys gotta play with boy toys, and girls gotta play with girl toys kind of thing, so he, he created, he took the troll idea, and he created the stone protectors. are male trolls they they were okay so so they were a rock band in new york and they sucked and they get tossed out of a of a club into a back alleyway because that's what you that's what happened if you're a band that sucks you're not asked to leave or they or just you don't get any gigs you get the gigs but then the owner of the club who's always like a big slovenly slob person with like you know stains on his shirt and he's normally bald and has big chains and large rings on for some reason he'll kick he, he will have his henchman his his large gorilla like henchman physically throw you from the club out into a dark alleyway in the rain. And that's what happens to this band. And out in this random alleyway in New York City, they find these uh, five stones. And they're magic stones with powers 
And, uh, you know, of course, they're connected to the fate of the universe. They're kind of like the Infinity Stones, but they're also not at all like the Infinity Stones whatsoever. And so they transform the band into, like, these trollish guys, and they give them their powers that are, you know, they're, they're, it, it says their powers. It says that the, uh, the, the stones give them powers. But I'm about to tell you what these powers are. And these are not so much powers as they are just skills that anybody could attain through hard work and reasoning. Uh, like one of the stones gave the turned the, turned him into the troll uh, guy turned him into a troll guy who is has the power of being a samurai. Which you know, I mean, you could go to Japan even today and train in like martial arts and learn to be a samurai. But no, not in this not in this uh, cartoon universe of of stone protectors. Only that guy with the stone in his chest now that he's protecting has the power to be a samurai because that's a power that the stone gave him and not a skill set that he acquired on his own. Uh, the second one was uh, another one that gets the, the the stone gives him the power of 1980s and 1990s pro wrestling moves, which again not a skill that anybody could be trained on with the with the you know right right amount of time and um, you know um, ambition. But a power that was given to him by a magical, uh, by a magical infinity stone that's not at all an infinity stone, and he would climb up on like trash cans and on buildings and he, and like railings and stuff like that, and give people like flying elbow drops and leg drops and uh, German suplexes and stuff because that was his power. Um, another one uh, gets the power of professional rock climbing, which again. I, I, you know, I keep saying that these that these are powers given by the stones and not skills, but in in actuality, these are skills that anybody could attain. But again, in this universe, these stones gave the stone protectors these powers. So, you know, he gets the power of professional rock climbing, and I don't know how that helps him protect the stones or save the world, but it did. It did. Uh, the fourth guy, the fourth guy in the band, uh, gets the power of apparently having gone to a military boot camp. Because now he has just, like, basic military knowledge, and he's strong and can do push-ups, and knows, like, you know, some strategy, some, some like, basic strategic maneuvers and stuff like that. So he gets the, uh, the power of having spent a weekend at military boot camp, and, uh, you know, done some done some military training there. Again, nothing that, you know, isn't tra- taught to you in the armed forces, uh, you know, from, the, from day one. No, no, no. That's the power that was given to you by a magical stone. And here's the last one. This is my personal favorite. The, the last one, his stone gives him the power of rollerblading. Because, again, that's not just, like, putting on a pair of, like, rollerblade skates and learning how to balance and, and skate around. That's a power that his mystical stone has given him. Not, not, a, not, not, not an ability, not, not, not a... Uh, skill set that he could attain through hard work and determination and just wanting to learn how to rollerblade but a power given to him by a by a powerful mystic stone that is now embedded into his chest and tra- turned him into a troll man and and apparently after they become these uh, stone protectors their band is now uh, very very popular people want them to play their gigs I guess maybe uh, their music got better too maybe that was a th- like a secret power also attained from the stones or maybe it was just, uh, you know, because they were hideous troll people. People were like, you know what, they got a nice gimmick. I like that. It's it kind of like Guar. Like, you know, Guar, the band Guar had, like, you know, they were these demonic space freaks uh, and shit like that. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe that's where the, the gimmick was like that. Uh, people, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't write the goddamn show. But, uh, you know, that, that's, that, was, uh, that was Stone Protectors. And the villain 
the villain's name was Zok, and he was like an interdimensional alien, and he wanted the power the power of these five stones just because he was evil and wanted them. Now, the best part of this was to differentiate it from regular troll dolls and the regular troll uh, figure series, they said that they were trolls on a roll. Trolls on a roll, and that's how it could easily be identified as being cool as opposed to regular troll dolls, which were just cute. So they, they and they they had a cartoon about it, and um, you know I I've got all the theme songs. I'm going to put all the theme songs up on the uh, Element of Surprise uh, page and into the uh, EOS group as well for you all to check out. But I might also fit them in the episode somewhere whenever I'm doing the editing. Um, okay, so thirdly, third one we got today for you is Hammerman. I'm going to spell that for you. H-A-M-M-E-R-M-A-N. Hammer Man, which was a cartoon superhero show apparently based on the life and times of MC Hammer because it was the early 90s. Why not? Um, and the, the plot was is that he, he's given these magic shoes that turn him into Hammerman, and he uses, like, his dancing skills and, like, rapping skills to save the day from just basically, like, you know, um, like, uh, gangs and stuff like that. Like, uh, you know, people who were, like, trying to, like, turn children towards the dark side and make them walk the wrong path in life. And also the shoes could talk, and they were, like, snarky. And at the end of the episode, the Magic Shoes would talk to about, would, like, they had, like, puppet versions. They'd do, like, a live-action segment where puppet versions of the Magic Shoes would talk to children about the issues they addressed in the episode that day. Um, the show was also hosted by the real-life MC Hammer, uh, who would open it up in, like, a, uh, like, the cartoon parts were maybe ten minutes long. And the opening and uh, would be, like, MC, a live-action MC Hammer segment where he would, like, talk about what the episode was going to be about and the issues that day. And he also sang the theme song. And the theme song, which, you know, now that I think about it, I'm going to have to put these uh, theme songs up for... I'm going to have to edit these into this episode somewhere. So you'll, you'll hear them all uh, when you're listening to this. But uh, the, the theme song sang by MC Hammer just kind of detailed the origins of Hammerman. You know, it wasn't anything special. It just detailed how he became Hammerman. Because they don't ever do an origin episode. They just... He's, you get there, he's Hammerman. You know, and uh, that, that that was that was Hammerman. It's again, it's just the life and times of MC Hammer. If it was a uh, cartoon show, 
So, you know, hey, why not? Um, okay, now I'm kind of torn between these next two as to which one I should do first. Um, so I'm gonna I, I'm gonna go with this one, you know, because they're both they're both these are both epic. These are both just fantastic fucking forgotten cartoons. Like, um, you know, I'm gonna go with this one. Um, Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris, man of action. Chuck Norris stars in Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. Chuck Norris, he's got nerves of steel and strength to match. Chuck Norris with his team, Pepper. It's too dangerous, Chuck. What? Too much. Too much. Kimo, the samurai warrior. Reed, Chuck's teenage apprentice. Tabe, a sumo champion. With Chuck Norris, they battle the sinister forces of the claw. And the ruthless super ninja. Chuck Norris stars in Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. It was called. And it was a cartoon about Chuck Norris and a team of, they were just like these very diverse group of uh, warriors that he had as his team, and they were called the Karate Commandos, and they fought against an organization, an evil organization called Vulture, kind of like uh, Spectre or Quantum from the James Bond uh, universe, and, um, you know, they it was called Vulture, or, or, or better, better, um, better comparison would be Cobra from G.I. Joe, but this was Vulture, and um, the very first episode of this cartoon, uh, Chuck Norris Karate Commandos was called uh, Deadly Dolphin, which kind of gives you like the the level of the playing field that we're on here. You're you're not going to the Super Bowl. You're going, you know, you're you're it, it, okay. It, it, you're you're you could either hey, in one hand I've got tickets to the Super Bowl, and the other hand I could sneak in free to a high school football game. Oh, you know what? I'm going to choose the football game. That's the level. That's the playing field level that Chuck Norris Karate Commandos was on here. And uh, you know, so back to the back to what it was is Chuck Norris, uh, who voiced his own character in this because yes, um, and his team of very diverse warriors. They were the Karate Commandos. They fought against Vulture. Um, it, it, they never told you what Vulture was short for or what their agenda was, but their leader was called the Claw, who had a giant robotic arm with a humongous claw on it, hence him being called the Claw. And his right-hand man was called Super Ninja, who basically looked like a ripoff of Cobra Commander with fantastic hair. Like, imagine Cobra Commander, not whenever he wore the, the mask with the metal reflective face, but when he just wore the, the pullover mask, hood, the hood mask, and cut the top of that out so it's long, flowing, fantastic uh well well taken care of and well maintained locks could be there for the world to see that was super ninja and the claw was bald and kind of looked a little bit like fu manchu but with a giant robot arm and the a giant claw on it and um you know much like hammerman at the beginning of each episode um chuck norris would host a live action segment um usually in a gym or a martial arts studio because that's chuck norris and explain what was going on in the episode because otherwise it was pretty much you, you couldn't tell. It was undiscernible to anybody if you just watched the episode. Because they would start and it'd be like, Chuck gets a call. And, okay, Karate Commandos, Vulture's up to this. we got to do this. 
and you know you're just kind of thrown right into the action, which is fine because it's again it's Chuck Norris he can do what he wants. Nobody's gonna nobody's gonna question that. But uh, you know here's his team. We had Chuck Norris who again was voiced by himself and he was the leader of the Karate Commandos. Then there was Too Much who was kind of like short round the equivalent of short round to Indiana Jones, and he was Chuck. They they just referred to him as Chuck's young ward. No one ever really knew what he did. He was just he was Chuck Chuck Norris's young ward. Like I guess the uh, Dick Grayson to uh, to Chuck Norris, you know. And I don't know why Chuck Norris uh, running around shirtless with his karate commandos needed a needed a, a young Asian ward, but he had one. And 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 that his name was they called him too much. I guess that was his name. Uh, there was also Pepper, and she was a technology expert and the mechanic for the crew. Um, there was Chuck's nephew. Or no, 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 I'm sorry, Pepper's brother, Reed, who was uh, Chuck's apprentice. He was, like, going to take over for Chuck whenever Chuck Norris got old and died, which we all know is physically impossible. Chuck Norris can't get old, and he can't die. He's, he, he can do whatever he wants. And, uh, you know, like, for example, Chuck, Chuck Norris doesn't do push-ups. He pushes the earth down away from himself. Chuck Norris doesn't need to breathe because he's Chuck Norris. So, you know, but, uh, you know, on the off chance that something, that we're all mistaken and something could go awry... Reed was going to be set to take over for Chuck. Uh, there was also Kimo, who was a samurai warrior. He, he was very into the uh, the Asian martial arts-themed characters with him. Like, Kimo was a samurai warrior. And uh, then there was Tabe, who was a gi- giant sumo champion, who, for the record, was never seen wearing anything other than just his giant sumo diaper with his hair up in that, like, sumo bun that they do, that, like, top, top knot bun. And, uh, you know, re- relatively, un- un- you know unclothed in every uh, every other aspect even if they're like in on a mission into like the arctic or like up in the mountains where there's snow and stuff you know tabe was just fine being there because he's a big fat sumo wrestler you know and uh so that was chuck norris karate commandos oh i also want to point out that commandos here was spelled with a k it didn't start with a c like the word commando it started with the letter k because it's chuck norris and he could spell things the way he wants people He's allowed to spell it however the fuck he wants. You can't argue with him. He's Chuck Norris. Um, all right. And uh, I, I guess I'm saving the best for last. This one was definitely by far... but It, it came down to this this one or Chuck Norris Karate Commandos as to which one I, I, I liked better. But I, I, I think ultimately it was this one. This is Popeye and Son. And that's right, you heard me, Popeye and Son. They took the well-established character of Popeye, and the show was from the 80s, so by this point in time, Popeye was verging on 60. They took the well-established 60-year-old beloved character of Popeye the Sailor Man, uh, 
And they just inexplicably gave him a son who, for the record, looks nothing like him. He's blonde hair, like surfer boy, and that's his son. And, uh, you know, he's... They just, they just, it was during a fad where they would take, like, uh, well-established characters like the Flintstones, they made them into the Flintstone kids, and then, uh, you know, they were like, they would, uh, like, they gave Captain Caveman a son for some goddamn reason and shit like that, but, you know, it was at a time whenever people were like, oh, man, you know what kids would get into these days? Popeye. Oh, yeah, yeah, they would, but how can we make sure that kids would like it the way that we liked it? Let's give them someone they can relate to. Let's give them a son. Let's give him Popeye Jr., which was his name. Popeye's son, who doesn't look a, a goddamn thing like him. Popeye and Olive Oil's son, who looks like po- like Olive Oil may have been having an affair with a blonde guy, some surfer dude down at the beach. They name him Popeye Jr. And um, the difference between him and his father, they, 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 they have a very strong bond and a very good relationship, but he doesn't like spinach. He doesn't like spinach. Although he has, and the show says this, he has genetically inherited his father's ability to gain temporary super strength from eating spinach. I didn't know that was a genetic anomaly that was uh, floating around in the Popeye DNA, but apparently it is, and Popeye Jr. has genetically inherited this this uh, feature from his father. So, I mean, I guess he is Popeye's son. Um, but, uh, you know, he doesn't like the taste of spinach. He gets grossed out by it. But he'll still eat it and gain the temporary super strength for the greater good. Now, that being said, what, what do we know about Popeye from whenever he eats the, the, the spinach and gains his super strength? It's normally followed immediately by, um, by a penchant for spinach super strength-fueled violence in which Popeye, like, you know, his arm, like, you know, they blow up real big. And then, like, you see in his giant forearms, like, his... Uh, his tattoo will start to, like, move with a life of its own, or, like, take on, like, his muscles will show, like, there's a tank inside of them and to, like, represent his strength. And he normally knocks somebody, like, my, like with, like, a like a wind-up, like, a very deliberate wind-up punch, uh, uppercut will knock somebody miles away. That's what we know Popeye for. This show had none of that. He did not punch anything. There was no fighting involved. Um, usually, it would they'd use the super strength to enhance their natural abilities to, like, you know, fix something or, like, save the day. Like, you know, like, if a building was falling over, Popeye and Son would eat the spinach, and, like, Popeye would lift the building up, but Popeye's Son would, like, pull back the ground like you would, like a, like, a carpet or a rug, and then Popeye would put the building in a safer spot. And that's, that's, that's what they did. So... I'm telling you, the entire cartoon, there's not a single fist fight. It's a Popeye stable point. He's always been known for his appetite for, for spinach-fueled violence, and they don't have it in this ep- in this show because it was a kid's show. Um, also, you know, you think Popeye, oh, his enemy, his rival, Bluto, is there. And Bluto was always a rival of Popeye's for Olive Oil's affection. You know, he, he wanted to, he rivaled Popeye because he wanted to date and marry Olive Oil. That was the point. But now, you know, you're in Popeye and Son. Popeye and Olive Oil are married. They've got a child. So what, where does that lead Bluto? Well, he's also married. He's also married and it has a son. Um, now, what is his son's name? Is it Bluto Jr.? No. No, that would just make sense. This is the 80s, people. So they named him Tank. They gave him a very generic, stereotypical bully name, Tank. And uh, who is Bluto's wife, you ask? Well, there's a woman that he's married to. And she's just referred to as Mrs. Bluto, or Tank's mom. Because I guess she doesn't deserve to have a last name. Um, 
And naturally, Popeye Jr. and uh, Bluto's son, Tank, are rivals like their fathers were. But, uh, you know, Mrs. Bluto or Tank's mom doesn't deserve to have a last name, which actually leads me to wonder, what, what, is, what is Popeye's last name? Is it I? Like, after him and Olive Oil got married, before Popeye Jr. was born. Um, does that make Olive Oil, like, oh, Popeye married Olive Oil, so now her name is Olive Oil I. Is that their last name? Is their last name I? Or, or maybe they don't have a last name. Maybe it's like, maybe they just foregone, get, uh, you know, surnames whatsoever, which is why Mrs. Bluto is just, she just took the name Mrs. Bluto. I, I like to think that their last name is I. Um, and also, that kind of leads me, do you remember Popeye's father? He always just called him Pappy. You know what his name was? Poop Deck Pappy. Poop Deck Pappy was his name. And I'm getting way off. Yes, exactly. I don't know if you guys could hear that, but that was my fiance literally sighing out loud with disgust and just disbelief at the fact that Popeye's dad was named uh, Poop, Deck, Poop Deck Pappy, but that was his name. I don't know why the fuck that was his name, and maybe he didn't have a last name. Maybe he was just like a like some transient sailor who, you know, just would go around, like, you know, and like it fits the whole stereotypical sailor man thing. You know, he gets some R&R, he comes to port, he's got some R&R, you know, he, he, he you know, bangs some chick, she has a kid, she doesn't know who the kid's dad was, she doesn't know what he looked like, so Popeye doesn't have a last name, she just calls him Popeye, because apparently, okay, no, wait, did Popeye, did he have only one eye, is that why he was Popeye, or was his other eye just kind of like, like, winky, and like, like, stuck shut, like, I don't know, but, and, and how was it, why was he given the, the, the given name of Popeye, like, what is it, is it, it's not like, a like, you remember um, Popeye Doyle from the great movie uh, French Connection, played by Gene, Gene Hackman? He, they, Popeye was a nickname. But Popeye, the character from Popeye cartoons and Popeye and Son, his name was Popeye. Like, that was that's how people knew him. It wasn't like, oh, hey, that's Andrew Popeye Dixon. No, no, he's just Popeye. And his dad's name wasn't like, oh, that's, uh, that's old... Uh, that's old Ralph uh, Poop Deck Pappy right there. Ralph Poop Deck Pappy Dixon. No, it's just Poop Deck Pappy. His name, his, his name was Pappy. So to call his name was a name uh, was like a nickname for father, and his other part of his name was Poop Deck. Like you couldn't give the guy a better name, and I know the Poop Deck is part of a ship, but you couldn't give the guy like a better name than Poop a better name than Poop Deck. Come on. And apparently they all have this genetic anomaly that they eat the spinach and it gives them temporary super strength, which I didn't understand uh, even growing up. I mean, it was cool when you were a kid, but then, like, you start thinking about it when you get older and you're like, why does that, like, you know, I've eaten spinach. I actually enjoy the taste of spinach. It's a good vegetable. But not one time have I or anybody else I've ever known eaten a spinach leaf and we're then suddenly able to to punch our way through solid steel walls or or pick up a ship out of the ocean with a, with one hand in a in a manner that made it like kind of fold like 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 you're snapping like you're trying to make a piece of paper rigid like in that manner and then use it as a club to knock my enemies you know miles off into the distance. Um, but anyway, I, I digress. I kind of got off on a uh, tangent there, uh, just about Popeye and stuff like that. But that was Popeye and Son. Uh, so this has the, the, these are the forgotten cartoons that I've decided to to bring to you this episode. And I hope you enjoy them. I've already got plans for a fifth installment because, let's face it, there are so many, so many cartoons out in the world. I mean, I'm I'm just talking about. I won't all. If you listen to these, I've only talked about cartoons from the late '70s, the er, the '80s, and the early '90s in the United States of America. I could. There are so many. 
I could do just forgotten cartoons as the, as this podcast forever, but that that would bore me. I'd get tapped out on that. But I've already got plans for a fifth installment of forgotten cartoons, so keep your eyes open for that. Um, in the meantime, before I let you go, I want to uh, personally, I, I I seriously just want to say thank you to everybody. This is the thirty first episode of the Element of Surprise. This is the 31st episode of this mentally irregular journey that we all take together. And I want to thank each and every listener out there, each and every member of uh, what I call the EOS Army, for getting us this far, for sticking with us, and for, uh, you know, making it bigger and better. And, you know, that, that that's all I could ask for is, uh, you know, just, just that you guys listen and enjoy yourselves, you know. So thank you, truly, honestly, thank you from uh, the bottom of my heart for getting us this far. And, you know, we got a lot more, we got a lot more life left in us. So there's a lot more coming down the pipe. And so, you know, let's, let's all work together to make it bigger and better. You know, it's, it's, it's just little things. You spread the word, you tell a friend who tells two friends, who tells two friends like those, uh, like those pills that you're supposed to take for headaches, um, you know, and so on and so on. So, you know, um, before I let you guys go as well, I want to, uh, let you know I got a poll up on the in the EOS group right now that you guys can vote on um, on what uh, what you'd like to hear in future episodes. Maybe you'd like to hear a crossover episode with another podcast. You could vote for that. Um, a, a roundtable free for all where I just get a bunch of people together and we just talk pretty much anything. Um, I've also had this idea of doing live commentary over the entire movie uh, of The Fly from 1986 with uh, you know an element of surprise staple point and. Uh, you know, everybody's most beloved actor of all time, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, I just want to do, like, color commentary over that movie as an episode. So you could vote for that as well. Or you can add an option of your own. You know, so, you know, let me know. And, uh, you know, it'll all be coming down the pipe. As well as, uh, it's almost that time of year again for, um, what is it, Memorial Day or Labor Day? Memorial Day. So we're going to have the second annual um, Memorial Day Blowout Bash or uh, Spectacular Memorial Day Spectacular, as I call it. Uh, that's going to be coming up. Um, don't forget, in uh, July, there's the uh, Element of Surprise event for no reason, which is just an event where I'm hoping to get people together and just have like a, like just like a roundtable free-for-all kind of discussion as well about just, you know, for no reason. Just uh, good friends hanging out and shooting the shit, uh, and it's all going to be recorded. I'm, I'm hoping to do that. So if you'd like to be part of that, you can call in. You can be here in person. That would be awesome. I'd love for that to happen. Um Again, before I let everybody go, I, I again thank you guys so much for keeping us going this long. Also, um, you know, uh, check out a Fireside Chat hosted by uh, Ryan McCormick, former uh, co-host and former co-creator of the Element of Surprise. Uh, Ryan McCormick now hosts a Fireside Chat on uh, Libsyn.com. Check that out. Uh, there's the boys at McSauce doing their thing over on Podomatic and YouTube. Uh, Ian. Paul and Matt, so, you know, definitely check out McSauce, um, and, uh, Justin Case is doing his, uh, Case in Point podcast, which is very good stuff, uh, check that out as well, and, you know, um, you know, you never know what's gonna happen next here, and that's kind of why it's the element of surprise, so, I uh, thank you guys again, and, uh, stay tuned for future episodes, we got a lot of life left in us, we're one year in, and, uh, got a lot of years left, so, I'm gonna leave you out as I always do, with a song, here we go. Cue the fucking bear music.